Hello and welcome to the Waking Up to Grace podcast, where we celebrate and explore the finished work of our Lord, Jesus Christ. The Waking Up to Grace podcast can be found on every major platform. And now, here's Lenny. Today we're going to talk about the New Covenant, when the New Covenant began, and why it's so important to realize this fact. The best place to go for a clear explanation of that is Hebrews. The book of Hebrews jives perfectly with everything that was written by the apostles. This one clearly lays out the New Covenant and when it began. So let's start in Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 through 17. But now Christ has come as the high priest of the good things to come. He passed through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation. And he entered once for all into the most holy place, not by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. And so he himself secured eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a young cow sprinkled on those who are defiled, consecrated them, and provided ritual purity, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our consciences from dead works to worship the living God? And so he is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the eternal inheritance he has promised, since he died to set them free from the violations committed under the first covenant. For where there is a will, the death of the one who made it must be proven. For a will takes effect only at death, since it carries no force while the one who made it is alive. Excellent passage. There's so much to take from that passage, but that last sentence or two there tells us something pretty directly, doesn't it? Uh They're talking about the new covenant and they're talking about how it was not in effect until Christ died. Anybody see a different meaning there? Is there some kind of hidden meaning in that that means something different? Because it seems pretty clear to me. Clear to me. Yeah. So, I mean, really, that passage takes care of business. It tells us when the new covenant began. It began when Jesus died for our sins. So that's when the new covenant begins, after his death, before Christ and after death, after D-cross. After D-cross. So (laughs) it's really essentially the dividing line of the Bible, but it's also the dividing line in all of human history. It's kind of interesting, though, that you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John labeled the Gospels, but that's not where the new covenant started. People get hung up on that, don't they? And then they get all hung up on the red letters, you know, but this is Jesus speaking. But it's the context. Right. It's the context of the red letters. That was actually the next topic. Why does it matter so much? Well, let's look at what Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount. Well, first, look at the whole Sermon on the Mount, but then look at just two phrases that he said on the Sermon on the Mount. He said, if your righteousness doesn't exceed that of the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of God. And then later on says, so be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. So what does that mean? Is that new covenant theology? Is that the reason why he died and rose again? Did Jesus rise to life so that he could forever watch over us and make sure that we pay for each and every little bad thing that we do and repent? (laughs) (laughs) Repent as in what they, they call it in the churches today, like stop sinning. He rose from the dead just to keep a close eye on you, or did he raise from the dead for a different reason? Did he raise from the dead to give us 
life to make us alive to God because we were dead to him before. Mm-hmm. The exactly. When Jesus was speaking in the Sermon on the Mount, it's kind of odd, especially when he talks about perfection and he tells the disciples to be perfect. He knew they couldn't do it in and of themselves. But he's telling them what's going to happen to them in the future. They don't know it. They don't realize it yet. But he's telling them what's going to happen to them in the future because that's what God's going to do for you through Christ, through his death and resurrection. And even though he told them, they didn't understand it. He told them at the beginning of all that, I came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. He came to fulfill all those things so that they would be satisfied, so the law would be fully satisfied. He told them that before he told them any of those harsh things, but they couldn't understand it. The reason they couldn't understand it isn't a secret. If we look at some passages in the scripture, it mattered that they had the Holy Spirit for them to believe any of it. Let's look at one in Luke. It says, Then Jesus took the twelve aside and said to them, Look, we're going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be handed over the Gentiles, who will be mocked, mistreated, and spat on. They will flog him and severely kill him. Yet on the third day he will rise again. But the twelve understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them, and they did not grasp what Jesus meant. And then the same thing was said a few other times in the Gospels, and it said why it was hidden from them, why they didn't understand it, because they hadn't received the Spirit of God to lead them to the truth yet. So all those things took place in the Old Covenant, under the Old Covenant. So if you look at the Lord's Prayer, that was directed towards Jewish people under the Old Covenant. It wasn't directed towards people that had the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Actually, a lot of it was, your kingdom come, your will be done. If we're still praying that way. We're still waiting for the Messiah. Absolutely. And if you're asking for forgiveness every time you commit a sin, what's been done? What do you say about the death of Christ? What do you say about Christ, Christ's death? What did he die for? Sins. He died to forgive you your sins. How many of your sins did he die to forgive you? All of them. How many are left? East is from the West. (laughs) As far as the East is from the West. So if he died for all of them, how many are left to be forgiven? None. What if you backslide, Lee? Yeah, let's talk about backsliding. We were just talking about You've been going to church and you've been being a a really good person. Then all of a sudden you just start hanging out at the clubs every night and you're not being faithful to your wife and your family. and You're just doing really bad stuff, Lee. Right. What if you do that? Then don't you have to come back and ask forgiveness? Well, first of all, you have to decide what was your definition of repentance? What's your definition of salvation? Because mm-hmm. if you're backslidden, that means you're saying salvation is of works. And if your salvation is of works, all of your works have to be perfect. There can't be any non-good works. If you never stop, you, you would have you would have had to have reached a high point in order to exactly. Slide back. How do exactly. you reach a high point as a Christian? Yeah, because exactly. the Apostle and, Paul, we were just talking about that. You brought yeah. up that passage about how he says, yep. "You have fallen away from grace, you who follow yeah. the law." They were delivered the message of grace, but then they went back to the law. They have fallen right. away from grace. Because of their actions, because of trying to do good deeds. On top of that, that wasn't even what Melissa was saying, doing bad deeds. They were actually trying to do good deeds. Paul considered that backsliding because they were following the law and following rules and regulations. Exactly. What would Paul have said to the Corinthian church? What did he remind them of? And what did Peter remind people of when they were committing sins? He said, you've forgotten 
where you came from. You've forgotten the Savior, basically. Come back to the gospel. Repent. You know, Change your mind. It's curious, yeah, it's curious that you would bring up the what Paul say to uh, <laughs> to these churches. Because like in the book of Revelation, the letters or the message to the seven churches, that's what God would say to those churches. He wouldn't say, he wouldn't have a, he wouldn't pat them on the back and say, good job. You know? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, he wouldn't. They have a mixed message. They don't have a clear picture of Christ fully being a Savior and Lord. It's not you. You're not Savior and Lord. Your pastor's not Savior and Lord. Your the church mothers, church fathers are not Savior and Lord. Christ is Savior and Lord, and he completed his work. Otherwise, you're going to be calling God a liar. So if you're saying that, oh, you're saved, but you got to do these good works, to maintain your salvation. That's not salvation. That's not repentance. Repentance is not starting to do good works because you used to do bad works. That's not repentance. Repentance is changing your mind. It's yep. becoming a believer. It's becoming a believer from an unbeliever to a believer. Yeah, all those and examples we, that we were just talking about. Yeah. That. We went to Revelations because that's where a lot mm -hmm. of people get mixed up on the passages saying yep. that repentance is a turning away from sins because they mentioned deeds. But before they mentioned deeds in all of those scenarios, they're talking about a teacher teaching them incorrectly. Yeah. A mixed and message, what they, a mixed gospel. Absolutely. Whether it was, you know, sin is okay or whether it was, you know, Jesus plus works, it doesn't matter. It was the message that people were falling for. And he writes spiritually to those places so that the spiritual will be corrected and come back around if they were falling away from the message. <laughs> Only those who were spiritual were going to hear it. Mm -hmm. So someone who's saved, who already has the Holy Spirit, they can't backslide. You can't backslide because you have the Holy Spirit in you. Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance everything you need to know. Everything you need to know, especially in times of distress. That's why he's called the comforter. And if you think you can do it, it's not going to pan out the way you think it is. The Holy Spirit living within you will bring all these things back to your remembrance. Interesting but, uh, that you mentioned in times of distress. Yeah, Look yeah. at some passages where it says, you're a light shining in the darkness. Why would it mention darkness? If life was always going to be full of light. And yep. the Spirit of God is best in distress, like you said, in darkness. Yep. Times of darkness is when we really shine because the Spirit yep. shines through us in those moments. Not because we shine, so because that's when yep. the Spirit shines. Yep. It's like a candle in the dark. Spirit <laughs> is our spirit. It yep. is us and it isn't us. It's coming from the vine, but we well, bear the fruit as the branches. And so we, it right. is coming through us. But well, did you know, it you're a branch from us. Yeah. Did it originate from ourselves? No, mm -hmm. but our new self can carry fruit and bear it quite well because God well, made we it. bear it. Yeah, we <laughs> bear it. But our burdens are carried through the vine. The vine carries our burden. He produces the fruit without effort. We keep thinking about effort. It's not our effort. We bear it. It's like when your dad takes you to the barber shop and you sit there. You're not doing anything. <laughs> you're just sitting there, but the barber is cutting your hair. And the result is a nice haircut. What did you do? Just sat there. Just be still. The more you try to move, the more you make it hard. Yeah. We were talking about sin. We were talking exactly. about forgiveness. And, uh -huh. you know, the same author of Hebrews that just uh -huh. when the new covenant began also teaches us. He says, this is the covenant I will establish with them after uh -huh. those days. 
says the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and I will inscribe them on their minds. Then he says, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no longer. Now, where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any sacrifice for sins. God's not remembering them any longer. Are you trying to remind him? When you ask for forgiveness. like, And that's the question. Where's the problem when you sin? Is the problem with God? No. What's the problem? With you, without yeah. understanding of what God did. Right. You see, he says, your sins and lawless acts, I will remember no more. Then the problem is me remembering my sins and lawless acts. It would be best to have a change of mind and a change of heart, knowing that God has forgiven me. Right. There's of no difference. I mean, you. why do you feel yeah. bad for your sin in the first place? Yeah. You know, if, if you've been born again, of course you feel bad when you sin. Yeah. You know, I think about yeah. that passage about grieving the Holy Spirit. Yeah. The Holy Spirit is part of you now. So you're grieving yourself when you sin. All you're doing is distracting yourself from the glory of God when you focus on all your sin. But what brings more sin? If you want more sin in your life, what can you do, according to the Apostle Paul? Follow the laws and regulations. Create your own rules and regulations if you want. Yeah. Since you can't really do the temple worship anymore without the temple. Let's create our own rules. And that's yeah. what's happening out there today. People following a new law. It's a, a new man-made set of regulations. It's Jesus yep. plus this, Jesus plus that. Plus that. Yeah. It's like Peter said, if you don't add to your faith goodness, knowledge, and brotherly kindness, if you don't have these things, he didn't say you're not a believer. He didn't say you're not a Christian. He didn't say you're not a child of God. He says, if you don't add to yourself all these things, you're nearsighted and blind and have forgotten that God has cleansed you of all unrighteousness. Man, yeah. And on top of you that, have, yeah. if you're asking forgiveness for sins. Have you also forgotten what the penalty of sin is? What's the penalty exactly. of sin? It's exactly. death. If you think you need to pay for your sin, don't be asking forgiveness. You deserve death. Yeah. Yeah, That's you why deserve Christ death. had to go to the cross, because you deserved death. You didn't deserve this comforting, like, oh, it's okay. I forgive you. That's not what the scenario is about. Jesus defeated it because you deserve death. He did away with it. Well, a lot of people are dwelling on this passage where Jesus talks about the good and faithful servant to into my uh, glory. That's, because that was, you, He was you, talking about me on that passage. Yeah, he was talking about you. <laughs> See, I thought he was talking about me. <laughs> I was sure he was talking about me. So who was he See? talking about? See, we got to figure this out. <laughs> you know? Who was he talking about? In this yeah, well, he's, talk he's, he's clearly talking about it. As you look back, he's clearly talking about Jesus. <laughs> you know, because who, who's a good and faithful servant? There's it's only Jesus. one. There's no way you can look at yourself as a sinner, and then say, I see myself as a good and faithful servant. Well, yeah. You're not. There You're was only not. one good and faithful servant, and it was, there was, only it one. was Christ, because he was, was born Christ. of the Spirit, right? He was born from right. heaven. So he yeah. didn't have to experience spiritual death. He was born from heaven, right. and he relied yep. on God for everything, and he didn't yep. fail. Adam and Eve weren't born from heaven. They were created from dirt. Yep. They had the Spirit of God in them, and then they failed, and then they huh. lost it. But Christ came, the second Adam, as Scripture mm -hmm. describes. He was the living example of what Christianity yep. should look like, a full reliance yep. on the Father. Yep. He executed Absolutely. that perfectly. Yep. See. And that's what people have to understand. When Paul talks to the Ephesians about putting on the whole armor of God, he's telling you to humble yourself. 
Don't put on your armor. Take off that armor of your flesh that you have and your inhuman ability, your useless, weak abilities. Yeah. You're trusted in yourself because you're weak in that area. But if you put on God's armor, trust me. And that's what you've yeah. done when you repented. You put on the whole armor of God. You put on the helmet of salvation. You take the shield of faith and the breastplate of righteousness. Sword of the Spirit and the shoes of peace. The shoes of the gospel of peace, yeah, and like, the sword of the Spirit. When you learn that division of the Scripture in that way, the New and the Old Covenant, now you can read the Old Covenant and the New Covenant in its proper context. You can hear the words of Jesus and not be being judged by them and take it in and take it to heart because we have the heart of Christ now. Thank you for joining us today. This podcast is brought to you by Waking Up to Grace Ministries. You can visit our blog page, add comments, or reach us privately from our contact form at wakinguptograce.com.